today on Ag News Daily. So I put in Google online dating for farmers, right? Started searching. And, of course, five billion things came up. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Friday to all of our listeners out there, hopefully getting some work done in the field, if that's what you need to be doing. I'm Mike Pearson, co-host of the Ag News Daily Podcast, joined today by Delaney Howell, as always. Delaney, how you doing? Pretty good, Mike. Home now from Amarillo, so that's good. I'm home now. Good, good. We're glad to have you back. Iowa is better with you in it, Delaney, so welcome home. (laughs) Thank you. I am very excited because we are also joined today by one of our favorite podcasters, the man behind the mic at the Working Cows podcast, Mr. Clay Conry. Clay, how are you doing today? It's green grass and sunshine outside, Mike. It's hard to be doing any better. Oh, man, that is beautiful. You're up there in grass country, too, in western South Dakota. Yes, sir. My, I just started a new gig at a church here uh, in the right smack in the middle of prairies of western South Dakota. My brother drove by it the other day and he said, you are in the middle of an ocean of grass out there. Man. He's, he's right. <laughs> now, Clay, for our listeners who aren't all that familiar with western South Dakota, eastern Wyoming, tell us, are there any cattle out yet on that grass or is it still a little early to turn them loose? You're seeing a few here and there. It's still a little early. Most people are some, a lot of people in this country are still calving, honestly. Uh, they're mm. trying to get, uh, trying to miss all this weather we've been having. So yeah. we've been backing that calving date up later and later. And, and, uh, this year's no exception. So we're, they're still pretty close to home. I'd say middle of May, you start to see a lot of them hit that, that grass. Okay. And you said you're, you guys are still getting a little bit of inclement weather. Our temperatures finally starting to get a little bit warmer. I mean, I was talking to some folks yesterday, and they're thinking maybe they're going to get snow in part of northeastern Iowa, which seems crazy, but. (laughs) Yeah, I saw that in the forecast, too. I think think we've been a couple weeks above freezing now, which is pretty awesome, so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shoot. Yeah, well, spring is. Oh, man. Well, I tell you what, actually, Clay, you mentioned weather. I've got just a quick update to uh, for a lot of our listeners who have been impacted by the flooding that was caused along the uh, Missouri River in South Dakota, Nebraska, Western Iowa, and Minnesota. Um, there was been a uh, oh, set of numbers put together by a group called Farm Market ID. Uh, they did this with a flood map from March 16th to 24th. So, of course, this is about a month old now. Uh, but they were looking at which areas were impacted by flooding, and this is what they've determined. They said nearly 150,000 growers in those four states have been affected by flooding. 90,000 grain bins were located in the flooded areas. And remember, listeners, we talked yesterday, USDA is not going to consider the volume of those bins, um, but they figure that there is about $4 billion in just the grain bins themselves that were uh, in the flooded area. And they think 1.24 billion bushels of storage capacity uh, exist in that flooded area. So about 31% of the on-farm grain storage, um, Mm. they figure it's got a value of about $7.5 billion. So that is what we're hearing now coming out of that flood territory. Those are some big numbers. Yeah, huge numbers. Yeah. Clay, you said you also saw some updates here on Nebraska's impact from their cattle herd yeah some early reports uh 
I guess it was reported by the Omaha World Herald that there was going to be up to a million cattle killed in the natural disaster. Uh, Steve Wellman of the Nebraska Department of Agriculture says that's not accurate. He said that his agency hasn't come up with a number yet, but expects the loss to be in the thousands. No, it doesn't say tens or hundreds of thousands, just says in the thousands, so I'm not sure. But then there's, uh, Bobby Chris Wickman, who is with the, or Wickham, sorry, who is the public affairs and outreach coordinator for the Nebraska Farm Service Agency, says that a few producers have reported losses of up to 200 cattle, but most of them have been 10 to 40 head, so. Okay, so maybe hopefully a little smaller impact than what people originally thought. Right, and just an update, I guess, for people who are listening, producers have until April 29th to seek help for livestock losses under the Nebraska USDA Farm Service Agency's Livestock Indemnity Program Mm -hmm. and a May 1st deadline to get help in disposing of dead livestock through the USDA program, so... One of the questions that we still haven't really seen addressed not only is the the grain that's been affected from on-farm on farm storage, but also livestock that maybe were just lost, like they can't physically find them, because I've heard a couple of producers having that issue too. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, talked to, I talked to Steve Nelson, I think, from uh, Nebraska Farm Bureau on my podcast earlier, and he said that there were people who had cows in calving pastures. They'd been calving in for 50 years, mm-hmm. and it took cows and calves away in the floodwaters. Yeah. They were just completely gone. So yeah. like you said, who knows if they're going to find those. That's devastating. Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine waking up one morning, looking out at my pasture, and just nobody's there. I mean, it's one thing right. if you've got to deal with, with deads. That's always sad, especially with little baby calves, but... Just to have them gone, the uncertainty that would create, oh, man. Yeah, our heart goes out to all those ranchers who have uh, had to deal with that this spring. Yeah, definitely. Well, when we're looking at things that are causing uncertainty, especially in our commodity markets, I've got a little bit of news here, some updates on U.S.-Chinese trade discussions. A couple of pieces that I read about this morning. The first is apparently President Xi um I don't know who this address was to, I guess, at a Beijing forum for his infrastructure construction program. He was discussing the Belt and Road Initiative that China is putting forth. And he also made some comments that sound pretty positive. And I think positive in working with the U.S. and changing some of China's way they do business. He said, essentially, that he wants to eliminate unjustified market distorting policies within China, including industrial subsidies. He wants China to increase imports, cut production over capacity, protect intellectual property, expand imports and hold their currency stable and allow foreign companies to operate more in their sectors. And he said a more open China will fully integrate itself into the world. So I don't know. It's it's almost borderline like changing the communist structure from what he's saying. And of course, these are just his comments, but it sounds like he is very open to working with President Trump and getting some of this done. Also read something today that's total speculation, but apparently President Xi, he said he is very open to meeting, especially after they've got a trade deal signed to come to the U.S., and now folks are speculating that it could happen as early as June Ooh. for a final agreement. Yes. Ooh, that would be good news. That would give some certainty to the markets and maybe help us, I don't know, at least make sure we've established a bottom. Because uh, as our listeners mm-hmm. know, the soybean market today continued its downward track. 
Yeah. Sure. I've got some China-related news as well that I dug up. Uh, the WTO found that China was inconsistent with their use of tariffs. Uh, China has administered the, its tariff rate quotas for wheat, corn, and rice inconsistently with its WTO commitments. And just for an example, um, Lighthizer said that if they had been applying these consistently, it would have imported as much as $3.5 billion worth of corn, wheat, and rice in 2015 alone. But the inconsistency obviously allowed them to import less than that. So that was some recent news out of China as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how China reacts to that. We know they said they were disappointed with the ruling, but I don't think they've yet appealed it. So perhaps they're, you know, as part of this trade negotiation, maybe they will actually step in and Quit being such uh, goofballs with their uh, TRQs, their tariff rate quotas. I'm assuming you wanted to use a different word there, Mike. I absolutely did. I had to grapple last <laughs> minute to find a substitute to keep us on the, uh, the non-explicit rating on iTunes. Uh, yeah, great. Right. <laughs> well, as long as we're talking, uh, you know, we're talking livestock a little bit earlier. We've been talking beef actually quite a bit over the past couple of days with the RCAF lawsuit that's been filed. And one of the things I've heard from a lot of cattle producers that's been frustrating is that Tyson Meats has, for the past several years, been an investor in the mm, fake meat company Beyond Meat. Well, it was revealed today by Axios that Tyson has sold its stake in Beyond Meat, which is the, the plant-based protein alternative, the Beyond Burger and all that kind of stuff. And... Um, so Tyson, basically Tyson and Beyond Meat had been di having disagreements for quite some time. And uh, uh, Beyond Meat quit inviting Tyson to their meetings. Tyson wants to develop their own kind of branded non-meat-based protein. And so finally they've sold their shares just before Beyond Meat is expected to file for an initial public offering next week. I think this is good news for those of us in the beef sector. It shows Tyson is at least refocusing some of their energies on uh, traditional protein, but it does say they might end up developing their own plant-based protein in the future, which is disappointing for those of us that like to, I don't know, think of Tyson as a partner in the protein industry. But I guess they're always looking to make a quick dollar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing new there. No, no, but uh, they have sold out. Uh, six and a half percent of Beyond Meat was sold, and we don't know what the price was or who the buyer was mm -hmm. as of yet. So that remains to be okay. seen. Okay. Well, in talking about dollars spent, um, some new research that just came out from the National Farmers Union talking about dollars spent by American consumers. We all heard that statistic, I'm sure, that 20 cents of every U.S. dollar goes to farmers and farm-related activities. Well, that apparently has dropped over the past couple of years since really 2011. Instead of about 20 to 22 cents, the average dollar that or the average amount of the dollar that gets sent back to farmers is less than 15 cents, meaning the rest of that dollar, the 85 cents left covers off farm costs like processing, wholesaling, distribution, marketing, retailing, etc. So we continue to see our margins get tighter and tighter. I've heard that as high as 12 cents as oh, well, yeah. so 88 cents. So yeah, it's, uh, it's tight all the way around. It is. Yeah, I don't think that's shocking to a lot of our uh, listeners who are meeting with their bankers this time of year and going over just exactly how tight their margins are. It's not a very pretty mm -hmm. picture. No, probably not right now. 
I think that's one of the reasons we've got to find a way to control costs. You know, we can't necessarily control what the Packers do. We can't control how these lawsuits come out, but that's why it's Mm -hmm. important for us to continue to figure out ways to control costs in our own Mm -hmm. industry or in our own operations. That's right. Success starts in the backyard. I've heard a lot of folks say, and and (laughs) that's exactly right. I love that. That's good. Well, good. Thanks, Delaney. I'm glad I finally imparted some wisdom you can appreciate. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, Mike. <laughs> you know, actually, while we're talking about uh, success in our own backyard, we did have some really, really positive economic news that came out this morning. U.S. economic growth, which was expected to start slowing. We've talked about that a lot. We had the Fed say they're going to pause raising interest rates. We've seen slowdowns in factory orders over the past quarter. Well, all of that was was thrown to the side today because economic growth accelerated by 3.2% in the first quarter, really blowing away analysts' expectations. And hopefully that means a lot of consumers are going to have cash in their pockets this summer to go out and fire up those grills and grill some higher dollar protein. Yeah, we've seen some declines here the last couple of days in the cattle markets. So hopefully it's just a short-term correction, but I don't know. The chart doesn't look very pretty. No, but we were mixed today in both live and feeder cattle, so we'll yeah. get to that here in just a second. Yep. Well, I've got kind of a fun piece of news to share with you guys. Are you ready for it? Hit us. Yes. Okay. So the USDA, Ag Census data, people are still kind of digesting all of that that came out last week. There's one state that had a really significant incline of the number of farms between 2012 and 2017, and a, a state I don't think people would assume is a big agricultural state. New but York. this is one of the only states. No, one Virginia. of the only states that had this. Nope. California. You're not going to guess it. Nope. Hmm. Oh, California would have been state. <laughs> Maine. It's not an ag state. No, it's Alaska. They oh. had a 30% increase between 2012 and 2017, a lot of it was fruits and vegetable production, which when I read that, I was like, Alaska does not seem like the type of place where fruits and vegetables would be um, grown a lot of. But they said the high latitude of their location yeah. there in Alaska makes them really ideal for fruits and vegetables, and it boosts the sugar content in those fruits and vegetables. But they had not only the highest increase in number of farms. They also saw the highest percentage of beginning farmers with 46% of their producers having fewer than 10 years experience. So I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that crop ground or at least tillable ground for raising fruits and vegetables in (laughs) Alaska is probably fairly cheap. I would think so. I wouldn't think a lot of people would want to live out there. Yeah. No, thanks. Hard pass for me, but I will tell you, I heard from some (laughs) folks that, um, because, as you mentioned, a high latitude, they get almost 24 hours worth of sun in some parts of Alaska oh, during right. the summertime. Yeah. They grow gigantic fruits and vegetables, like mm. make the, the large pumpkin at the Iowa State Fair look uh, <laughs> look like a wimp. Huh. Hmm. I, I was wondering... That. I was wondering if uh, they're counting backyard gardens for preppers in that or not. Or I don't if know. It's a... <laughs> I bet they yeah. are. I bet those folks count, and I'm sure there's a slug of those folks up there, too. There's a joke around here in the in the wilds of the prairies of western South Dakota that a lot of people that are out here originally came here to hide from the government, and I think that's half of the people in, in Alaska from what I understand, too. So, Absolutely. <laughs> they got their heads on straight. I can respect that. That's I need to start looking <laughs> into some of that. Maybe build me a bunker and buy a, buy a decommissioned missile silo and move underground. 
Oh my goodness. Get yourself some grow lights in there and start growing some vegetables with some 24 hour sun on them. Exactly. Exactly. Just in case everything hits the fan, it's nice to be prepared. I that appreciate sounds like some sort of sensibilities, yeah, Mike. Conspiracy theory. <laughs> Jeez. Yes. You're, you're talking to two old guys, two old white guys who probably do forward some conspiracy emails here and there. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm, uh, uh. I'm kind of thankful. One of my uh, one of my grandfathers isn't a big emailer, and uh, I'm kind of grateful because he definitely would be the one forwarding all of those uh, conspiracy <laughs> theories around. So. Oh, I tell you what, guys, we've got a fun conversation this afternoon yes. with the founder of FarmersOnly.com. A lot of you have seen the ads. A lot of you maybe have used it. We'd love to hear your <laughs> stories if you have. Um, but who's got some other news before we jump into that interview and uh, talk markets? Yeah, I don't have any more news for today. Clay, you got anything I you need to get off your chest? Oh, I found one more. Peterson is leading. Uh, Colin Peterson from Minnesota. Uh, Did you guys talk about this? Hmm? Leading no. uh Trade delegation to Brazil, Argentina, and Honduras. Oh. Yeah, so that's fr the freshest thing I found, I guess. So, but that was, okay. uh, include, they're going to be talking about what openings the administration's trade war has created for our competition in those countries, as well as how Chinese investments have, has increased the competitive capacity of yes. South American producers. Kind of back to what Mike was talking about yesterday or the day before mm -hmm. with, is uh, China going to write a big check to improve the infrastructure in Brazil? That'll be really interesting to see what they come back with, maybe some sort of report or analysis or news. Yeah. Yeah. I will have to awesome. keep an eye out. We'll uh, keep our yes. ear to the ground as that story develops. Absolutely. Well, I tell you what, folks, let's uh, let's jump into the markets and then hear from uh, hear from Jerry Miller. Let's do it. All right. And our markets are brought to us by our good friends at the Zaner Group. Folks, remember, volatile times can create some opportunities. Learn how to manage your marketing risk and maybe find some of those opportunities by calling our friends at Zaner. Give them a shout at 312-277-0050, or you can visit them on the web at Zaner, Z-A-N-E-R.com, and tell them you heard it on Ag News Daily. Well, we've got mixed trade in the grain sector today. In the corn market, the July contract was up three and a quarter cents at 360 and a half, with December new crop up two and three quarters to close at 380 even. Soybeans, as I mentioned, that downward trend came back today kind of with a vengeance. The July contract was down a nickel at 867 and three quarters. November down five and a quarter to finish at 888 even. In Chicago, wheat, the July contract up one and a quarter cents at 442 and three quarters. December up one and a half, finishing the day at 467 and a half. Jumping over to the world of livestock, front month in both feeder and fat cattle was higher. The April was up 50 cents in live cattle at 124.55 and the June down 32.5 to close at 115.05. Similar story in feeder cattle, the May contract up 40 cents at 143.95. The August down 40 to close at 152.85. And weakness continues in lean hogs. The May contract down 85 cents at $87 even. June down $1.0250 to close at 88.75. Jumping over into the dairy market. We see in class three milk the May contract up two cents at 16.31 and the June up four to finish the day at 16.41. Without further ado, folks, take a listen to our conversation with Jerry Miller, founder of FarmersOnly.com. 
Well, we're having a fun conversation for today's interview, joined by Jerry Miller, who is the founder of Farmers Only, the online dating platform. Jerry, first of all, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Well, thanks for having me. Okay, Jerry, we've all seen the ads on television, I'm sure, or maybe had them pop up on our cell phone or computer when we're Google searching things. But how did you get the idea to start Farmers Only, a dating platform specifically for farmers and people in rural America? I had an advertising agency, and I was working with a lot of agricultural clients across the country doing uh, marketing for livestock. And back in 2005, I met this single farm girl that recently got a divorce. And she was, she confided in me. She said, you know, I'm really scared. I'm never going to meet anyone new. I go, what are you talking about? You're a great person. You'll meet somebody easily. She goes, how am I going to meet somebody? I'm working on the farm all day. I live out in the middle of nowhere where, you know, everybody knows everybody. And uh, she said she's terrified. And uh, she goes, maybe I'll try online dating. I go, well, that seems to be working for a lot of people. That's growing. And uh, so I didn't think too much about it. And um, about a month later, when I was talking to her business, I said, hey, did you ever try that online dating? She goes, yeah, but all the guys that contacted her were, you know, I call them city slickers, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they just couldn't relate to her lifestyle at all. I mean, my favorite was she said some guy said, hey, why don't we meet at Starbucks at 9 o'clock? And she goes, first of all, there's, there isn't a Starbucks anywhere close to me. And I have to go to bed around then to get up early in the morning to take care of the animals. And she said the similar, you know, experiences, you know, just – communicating with these guys that just didn't have a clue, right? So I said, well, there has to be a dating site for farmers. I mean, there's dating sites for every religion and every, you know, I've heard, you know, for everybody, right? So I said, I'll find you a site. So I put in Google online dating for farmers, right? Started searching. And of course, 5 billion things came up, but none of them were for farmers. They were, you know, just the big sites advertising every term there is and then putting them all back into a database. You know, whether you're a dentist or, a, you know, a fireman or whatever, they throw you all in together. So I that got my attention. And, um, and then when I was working with all these farmers across the country doing business, I said, you know, I just started questioning. I said, hey, are you married? How'd you meet your wife? Uh, if you're single, how, you know, how hard is it to meet somebody? And I kept on hearing the same story over and over again, every part of the country. That same thing, everybody knows everybody in their small community. Uh, they don't have time. It's hard to find somebody that is from the city or not downtown city, but just, you know, even city suburbs and so on that can relate to the lifestyle of a farmer. So I said, you know something, I think there's a need for this. And I started doing more and more research. And I said, I'm going to start it. I'm going to start an online dating site for farmers, right? <laughs> so I um, 
I launched it in 2005, and it was the most exciting thing I've ever done. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jerry, when you think about, think back to 2005 and that initial rollout, what were you, what was success in your mind? What were you watching for as a benchmark? Well, it was interesting because I know it sounds crazy, but I knew for it to be successful that it couldn't only be for farmers. And that's why I called it farmers only, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> I know I've been, I, I've told, I've been ever, you know, interviewed on all the network TV shows and all that. And they go, then why'd you call it farmers only? I said, because farmers is a, is a brand of people. It's a, it's a, it's a type of person. I know I don't want to sound corny, but you know, it's more down to earth people that aren't as materialistic and just, you know, good, you know, solid values and, and on and on. But the reason I said it, I couldn't have it only for farmers because, you know, with all the downsizing across America, the of number of farms, you know, there's only like, you know, over a million farmers left. And right. half of them are already married. Mm-hmm. Half of them are already married, and a lot of them don't spend any time on a computer at all, except for you know, like some pro, you know, accounting programs and you know, some weather alerts and so on. But um, but there's 60 million people that live out in rural America, and the reason that I want it to be for that just people that can relate to the lifestyle of a farmer and rural living is because there's a it is a different type of person. It's like I grew up in in you know rural America and and people when I moved to the big city it was like people were stunned at some of the things I said the way I looked at things I remember the first day on my new job in the city. I um I was going through and this guy just let the door slam right in my face. Hmm. And I said, "You know something? I I was brought up I would stand there and hold the door if there were 20 people coming through." And I didn't even think twice about it. Yeah, yeah it's just just a very different mindset yeah. when you're dealing with, you know, hordes of people in a town versus, you know, the the sparse amount of people out in the countryside. So Jerry, when you kicked it off and you got the ball rolling, you're out there, you're promoting it. How fast or, or I guess how slow did it grow? How, what was the uptake like for people out there in the countryside? Well, that's, that's the amazing part is, you know, when you put up a brand new dating site, you have zero members, right? (laughs) (laughs) I was so excited. Like the first person would sign up, right? But uh, I was, I was out, I was telling everybody, you know, through business that I knew, you know, in, in agriculture and word of mouth. And I was going out in the country and just posting, you know, things on um, bulletin boards and, you know, feed stores and on and on. And it started, you know, I started getting a handful of members. And then uh, I got a, a interview with a, a small, it's a farm and dairy magazine or actually a weekly and that brought in, you know, a number of people. And then out of nowhere, um, it was two things happened. 
Uh, my local newspaper, uh, the Cleveland Plain Dealer, you know, which is a pretty big paper, they saw one of the small things that I posted out there, and the reporter thought it was pretty interesting. And when he tracked it down, he goes, he couldn't believe it was from this area, right? He thought it was a national, you know, somewhere out in Iowa or somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And and all of a sudden, so he started. He was intrigued by it, and we're doing an, we're doing interviews and so on. And he says, I got to check with my editors to see if I can run this story. And then out of nowhere, Newsweek magazine uh, calls me and said, hey, I found your site on the Internet, and we thought it was really interesting. We want to do a feature story on Farmers Only. I go, great. And that was on a Friday. I said, when's it coming out? And he says, on Monday morning, it's hitting in the newsstands <laughs> nationally, right? And so I said, that's unbelievable. And uh, – so then I called the guy from the plane dealer and I said, Hey, uh, John, I said, just to let you know, um, Newsweek magazine just contacted me and they're coming out with a story. And he goes, Oh no, when? And I said, Monday morning. He goes, Uh oh, I'm in trouble. He goes, <laughs> I know that my, I know my editor, I mean, my bosses knew I was working on a story. I can't let a national publication beat a local angle, right? Mm-hmm. So he goes, So we did, we finished it up over the weekend and he called me. And he said, check out Monday's paper, front page story, above the fold, right? That's <laughs> so, prime spot right there. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so, so both of those hit on that Monday morning. And then they started hitting the AP wires. Mm-hmm. And it started spreading throughout the country like it was bigger than the O.J. Simpson trial. I had... I had TV stations and newspapers and radio stations from all over the country contacting me. I was on Good Morning America and the Today Show and Fox and Friends and <laughs> and then it, it spread into the nightly news and and on and on and on. It was just and I it, it got so crazy. I had fifteen hundred requests for interviews in one week. Oh my god. It was gosh. insane. That is insane. And now you're on the Ag News Daily podcast, right? Yeah, this is the biggest <laughs> thing that's happened. <laughs> hey, oh. I'd rather be on your podcast talking to farmers than um, than on Good Morning America talking to a bunch of city slickers. There you go. That's right. We're glad to have you. Jerry, I'm sure you've got a ton of interesting and cool stories, success stories from the site, but is there maybe one or two stories that are just go above and beyond that highlight the connections that people have made through using Farmers Only? Yeah, actually, I have two favorite stories. Uh, one was this um, this girl that um, she was going to Ohio State University, and she was, she was uh, into equestrian. She, you know, raised horses. And she met this guy that she uh, eventually got engaged to. And she was telling me that that she met this guy and she was talking about how she wanted to raise horses and he wanted to live in the suburbs. And she wanted to get a place out in the country, right? And he goes, well, can't we just live in the suburbs and keep the horses in the garage like it's yeah. another car? And and she said she realized that's it. This guy is not right for me. And then she she went on Farmers Only and met 
met this guy and they they're just made in heaven for each other. They have a number of kids now. They have their they have a horse and cattle, you know, farm and uh just unbelievable. So that that kind of brought things home. Okay. And then another story, there was a guy there was a, a lady from Ohio. She was um, 65 years old, and she called me and said, hey, Jerry, I, I'm on the site, but I can't figure out how to get my picture on there. She goes, I have my, I'm holding my picture, and I'm looking at the computer, seeing is there a slot that I can stick it in to oh, put no. it on the, on the site. <laughs> and I said, because uh, she didn't know anything. Right? Yeah. And then... So I said, I'll tell you what, why don't you just send it to me, mail it to me, and I'll scan it and put it on for you, right? So she did. And then uh, she called me again with some other technical questions. She just didn't, you know, understand much about computers. And I helped her out. And then um, about two, wait, two weeks later, she called me, and I'm thinking she has another, you know, like, technical problem or just misunderstanding of how things work and she goes hey jerry i just want to thank you i got married i go what? oh my goodness <laughs> i said margaret it's only you've only been on this site for a couple of weeks i said how'd you get married already and she said well i met this guy now she was in ohio she was talking to a guy that was 76 years old in north i think it was north dakota hmm. and he had a uh a large cattle ranch, right? And they they were just hitting it off. They, t you know, switched phone numbers and just talking all the time. And he said, hey, I'm coming to Ohio to pick up a trailer, you know, livestock trailer. And he goes, why don't I swing by and, you know, we can meet in person. And they spent, a, you know, a couple days together. And he says, why don't you just ride back with me to, you know, to North Dakota? It's either South or North Dakota, I'm sure. And so they rode back, and that's like a 20-hour drive, right? I don't know how long it is. <laughs> and they just talked for, you know, 20 hours straight. She stayed there a couple days, and they go, wait a second, I'm 76, you're 65, right? What are we waiting for? We're made for each other. So they Aww. went and talked to the preacher, you know, <laughs> and they said, hey, we want to get married, <laughs> okay? And he goes, well, I guess at your age, you know what you're doing. And I'll tell you what, I stayed in touch with them for years, and they were so happy. They were, again, totally made for each other. And uh, it was just amazing. Huh. Fantastic, Jerry. It's so cool to hear these stories. And I've got to ask you, as of, like, right now, how many users do you have on FarmersOnly.com? Well, it's unbelievable because it keeps on growing at such a fast pace. We've had over 8 million people sign up on the site now. Wow. Hmm. Wow. Now, that's from, okay. that's from the beginning, right? 8 million. Yeah. So now that's far more people than, you know, our farmers. So you're obviously working at pulling in some of these these urban and suburban people who want to – is there an attraction just with people who want to marry a farmer? Um, yeah, it's just, it's now remember a lot. I mean, like you're a farmer yourself, right? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that lost their small farms that had to move to big cities to find employment. And so even in the big cities, there's still a lot of, you know, people that 
miss that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I was talking to one member, and they that's the situation they were in. And they said, you know something? They said, every once in a while, I just leave the city, go out in the country and pull over to a cornfield, grab a handful of dirt, and smell it. <laughs> it brings back, <laughs> it brings back like all the, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that, that grew up in agriculture that are no longer in agriculture. Yeah. I mean, I live in Des Moines area and there are a ton of people that work in agriculture in the city, but don't obviously farm anymore. And I could see people like that being a, a key market for something like farmers only, but really interesting Mm -hmm. stuff, Jerry, you've got such a great story. Thank you so much for sharing it with our listeners and uh, we'll encourage people to check out farmers only if they're looking for maybe that special someone. Yeah. It's the types, the people, the members are just wonderful. I mean, I, I've talked to so many members you know, we get so many people sending in emails. Um, I was just invited to a wedding last night. <laughs> so <laughs> there's so many people that have met someone and they just, and a lot of them were, you know, like, you know, the commercials, as you, if you've seen the commercials, you know, they're funny and they're corny and all that, but I want to have fun to take care of a serious problem. You know, loneliness is really, it's devastating. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of people that are just so lonely and it's, it's just, it's, it's really a tragedy of how many lonely people there are. So I wanted to use, you know, have fun commercials to get across, you know, to get the word out. And, you know, it's amazing how many people sing the jingle. You know, it's, <laughs> it's kind of scary. Absolutely. <laughs> it's great. I'm sure everybody, I'm sure most people have probably heard it for sure. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And just, you know, I think like this one, this one guy that, um, we, we have the funny commercials and the corny commercials mixed in with, you know, real couples that got married. And the one guy on the commercial we just did, he was a farmer and he said, you know something, you got to get it. You got to try. You know, you can't just sit there and be lonely. You got to get out there and try, you know, and farmers only is just another vehicle to maybe try. Absolutely. It sure is. Listeners, if you're out there and you're single, check out FarmersOnly.com. This was Jerry Miller talking to us today. Jerry, one more time. Thanks again for talking to us. Thanks for doing this thing that's uh, really brought some some new lifeblood into rural America. We appreciate it. There you go. Well, I don't know about you, Mike. I don't need Farmers Only at the moment, but I think it's just really interesting to hear the backstory behind it. Clay or Mike, have you guys ever used Farmers Only? Clay? I'm, I'm, I married my <laughs> high school sweetheart. So oh, yeah, I, that's I, right. All I, gotcha. Right. You didn't well, need to. No and, story there. And I haven't used it either, but I do know people who have and have used yeah. it, I think, with some success. So it, it works. People are finding love out in uh, the hinterlands. <laughs> I think it's just so funny. Yeah. Well, hey, Clay Connery from the Working Cows podcast, tell our listeners how can they get tuned in if they want to get caught up and, and learn some strategies, learn some new things about working with cattle from your podcast. Well, of course, it's on the Global Ag Network, so you can check it out at globalagnetwork.com slash working-cows or workingcows.net. 
is there. If you want to see every episode on one page, check out ranchingpodcast.com. Excellent. And Delaney, if our listeners want to get caught up on any past episodes of the Ag News Daily Podcast, where should they go? They can also go to Global Ag Network slash Ag News Daily. And we're also on Facebook and Twitter. You can chat with us there. You can also chat with Clay there if you've got some comments for him after listening to today's podcast. Or, folks, if you would like to guest co-host with Mike and I, please feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or shoot us an email through our website because we are still looking for Friday hosts every Friday. Absolutely. We need your help, listeners, because, uh, frankly, I get bored talking to Delaney all the time, and I know she gets That's mad fine. having to talk yeah. to me all the time because I hear I do. about it. <laughs> that I do, Mike. Well, with that, Delaney, what do you say? Should we let our listeners go? Let's let them go. 